Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. This is an RNZ podcast. This week, Frozen 2 finds itself treading old ground again. Excuse me, I climbed the North Mountain, survived a frozen heart, and saved you from my ex-boyfriend, and I did it all without powers. So, you know, I'm coming. Me too. I'll drive. I'll bring the snacks! Mrs. Lowry and Son features Timothy Spall as another beloved British painter. Am I an artist? I'm a man who paints. Nothing more. Nothing less. And Knives Out is a twisted whodunit set at a family gathering. How was it? Hello. The party, pre-my dad's death, oh, it was great. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. This has been a year of quite dramatic upheavals in the movie industry, not least the rise of the once despised streaming services. Netflix, once a mail-order video library, is now one of the biggest players in the business. By default, it's become a major studio. Not the major studio, of course. That title goes to Disney, which, having bought out rival Fox, now owns just about all the top film franchises. Just whistle while you No wonder the one-time mouse factory, purveyor of family fun, is now whistling while it works. Disney owns most of the year's top ten properties, from Marvel Comics movies and Star Wars to The Simpsons, Deadpool and all the sequels to Avatar. And of course that's not counting their own animated movies and the rather more interesting Pixar product. Why am I alive? You're Bonnie's toy. You are going to help create happy memories that will last for the rest of her life. Huh? But while Disney dominates cinemas and now the small screen with the Disney Plus service, nothing the studio is putting out right now is particularly novel. I mean, Toy Story 4, remakes of The Lion King, Aladdin and Dumbo, and the final, final countdown of The Avengers, completing a story arc of over 20 titles. And this week, Frozen 2. Since then, no one can get in or out. Wow, Papa, that was epic. 
Well, the TV streaming service is smotherous with a dazzling array of novel creations. Is it possible to have too much diversity? Disney and the other traditional studios seem petrified of anything new. Luckily, they've come up with a slightly more flattering name for their current policy of remakes, reboots and sequels. Now, they call it IP. No. Sure. What? What? <laughs> IP is short for intellectual property, a far more dignified name than its previous title, The Same Old Rubbish. IP means it's something audiences already know, and more important, the studios already own the rights to. The Force will be with you. Always. It's slightly more specific than formulaic, which means the same old stories with different names. IP is the same old stories with the same names. It offers the reassuring comfort of old friends, even if it struggles to find anything more to do with them. I need your help, Carson. I'll be there in the morning, my lady. Don't you worry. This may not be fatal. Fans of Downton Abbey weren't there for the challenging plot. They just wanted to sit in the front drawing room while Carson brought in the tea. And in some of the smaller art films, familiarity is also enough. When I first gave it to you, you turned your head away and closed your eyes. Well, that must have been one of my hazy head days. No. No, I like this painting very much. British film Mrs Lowry and Son is as much about two well-loved actors, Timothy Spall and Vanessa Redgrave, as it is about one of Britain's most famous painters. Ellis Lowry's matchstick men and women were the art world equivalent of IP. I keep waiting for the big reveal. All of them lied to me. There is one guilty party behind it all. At least genre-bender Rian Johnson poked the over-familiar whodunit with a stick. Knives Out boasts a star-studded cast in a film that's possibly too clever by half. Unlike Disney's follow-up to the hugely popular Frozen. Elsa, the past is not what it seems. You must find the truth. Go to the enchanted lands and into the unknown. It's ironic that the theme song to Frozen 2 is called Into the Unknown. There was never any question that the sequel was going to betray its target audience, specifically preteen girls, their mothers and grandmothers, by going anywhere different. Promise me we do this together, okay? I promise. Every day it's a little harder as I feel my power grow. Don't you know there's part of me that loves the first Frozen was a heavily retooled version of an overcomplicated Hans Christian Andersen fairy story called The Snow Queen. That film was about the love between two sisters, one magic, the other not, and a quest into the frozen north. And so is this one. Into the unknown. 
the characters remain the same. Plucky Anna and Magic Elsa, a goofy love interest for Anna, Kristoff the deer herder, and an allegedly amusing snowman called Olaf, played by Josh Gad, an actor I can usually take or leave alone, as is the case here. Quick question. Is the whole putting us in mortal danger going to be a regular thing? <laughs> But at least Frozen 1 had a bit of plot. Elsa runs away, scared of her icy powers. Feistiana is determined to bring her back, utilising those perennial Disney spells, love conquers all, and be true to yourself. What would I do without you? You'll always have me. Has Elsa seemed weird to you? She seems like Elsa. There was also a bad guy in the first film, the Prince Wrong Verana, to contrast with the obvious Mr. Right, Kristoff. So that's what you go into Frozen 2 with, or you do if you're a bunch of nine-year-old girls and their caregivers. I believe in you, Elsa, more than anyone or anything. The good news, as I say, is the gang's all here. Anna and Elsa, sisters who are also BFFs. And Ernest Kristoff, always looking for the right time to grab Anna's left hand and put a ring on it. Uh, Hans! Uh, Unredeemable monster! Greatest mistake of your life! We didn't even kiss you! Villain! Oh! Oh. We all kind of got it. Okay, Mm -hmm. Olaf, you're up. Okay. But something's always coming up. If it's not party games, it's news of a mysterious event that occurred in the past. A terrible wrong that needs to be righted. Far away, as north as we can go, once stood an enchanted forest. You see an enchanted forest? Yes, it was a magical place, but something went wrong. Elsa hears a mysterious voice from the past, a four-note riff summoning her north and, you've guessed it, into the unknown. But last time she went on her own and the others followed her. This time, they're all going together. There. How dare anyone say it's exactly the same plot. You are not going alone. Anna? No, I have my powers to protect me. You don't. Excuse me, I climbed the North Mountain, survived a frozen heart, and saved you from my ex-boyfriend, and I did it all without powers. So, you know, I'm coming. Me too. I'll drive. I'll bring the snacks! I have to say that calling these proceedings a plot is a little optimistic. Granted, there's a lot of rushing about when our heroines and their friends get to the enchanted forest. Elsa magics them through mysterious, misty barriers, and they meet some perfectly nice people. Where are we? How did you get in the forest? The mist parted for us. Impossible. Where did you learn magic? But perfectly nice people don't really offer much in the way of conflict. Where's an evil boyfriend prince when you need one? And most of the nine-year-olds had pretty much figured out any mysteries from the past long before Anna and Elsa did. The kingdom is not safe. Find who is calling to you. They may have answers. Well, the other missing figure in the film, apart from Prince Charmless, is a good producer, one who can develop a strong enough storyline to sustain the action. That producer's name is John Lasseter, possibly the one reason Pixar and Disney films are generally so good these days. There's this voice. Voice? What does that mean? I got you! 
Like his spiritual predecessor Walt Disney, Lasseter knew no film needed more intensive work than seemingly effortless family fare. Walt and John would both continually demand, is this good enough? Come back when it is. Lasseter's on a leave of absence from Disney right now, and you can tell. Elsa, get out of there! You can't just follow me into fire. Then don't run into fire. Without him, Frozen 2 is fine, it's beautifully animated and voiced, and it'll do very well in the junior princess market. It's a professionally iced donut, but like a donut, there's a hole in the middle. I am worried for her. We have always feared Elsa's powers were too much for this world. Now we must pray they are enough. I always thought the least profitable area for movie drama was the life and career of a successful writer. Who wants to see someone stuck at a desk for hours, occasionally stopping to screw pieces of paper up and chuck them at the bin? But running a close second is the work of the genius painter. I'm a man who paints. Nothing more, nothing less. Is that you, Laurie? Who else would it be? It could have been a burglar. Burglars don't have their own front door key. Elias Lowry was an obsessive painter from Lancashire who became one of Britain's best-known and best-loved artists. But like most driven painters, his life was staggeringly uneventful. He worked all day for the council and he painted all night in his mother's attic. How was your day, Mother? I just lie here, waiting for the inevitable... I'm not sure what it is about up north, but there's always a dominating older woman, whether it's Ina Sharples from the early Coronation Street or Alan Bennett's mum, inspiring so many of his plays. Lowry was no different. For the first 50 years of his life, he was the caregiver of his demanding mother, at the expense of any social life at all. Oh, today I saw a woman. She had a beard. Is that legal? I found her rather beautiful. No wonder you've never had a girlfriend. Now, where an actor playing a writer can usually get away with the technicalities of the job, if you can hold a quill, you can play Shakespeare, it's rather harder being a painter. You're going to have to look like you can paint like a genius. Night after night, I sit up here, a smudge here with my finger, a stroke of the brush there. I'm safe here, alone. I'm coming! Fortunately, Timothy Spall has already proved he's up to the job. From Turner, his last painter, to Elias Lowry is not a big jump, and we don't see him doing too much actual painting. We do see him coping with his mum, yet another dynamite performance by the great Vanessa Redgrave. Oh, yes, I see what Mrs Stanhope sees. You like it, Mother? Oh, I do. Its merits are obvious. I painted it for you. You did? Mrs Lowry and Son, as the title suggests, is a two-hander, a very theatrical two-hander. Director Adrian Noble comes from the theatre and the writer Martin Hesford is no stranger to the northern mother and son dynamic. He did his time on Coronation Street, first as an actor and then later as a writer. But I painted it from memory. It's um, a gift of the past. Sailing boats. A gift of the past. 
Now, even if you don't know much about Lowry, there's enough interest in watching two great actors at work. The painter seemed to spend most of his life bickering with his mother, or rather, she'd bicker, he'd try and keep the peace. The one time he stands up for himself is when his art is questioned, or, as his mother prefers to call it, his hobby. Why can't you paint like this anymore? Oh, the sea, the sky. Well, you said you didn't like it. I didn't. Yes, you did. But the trouble with artist biopics is there are only two ways to go. The painter struggles in obscurity and is only recognised after his death. Or he's spotted immediately and does pretty well for himself. Van Gogh or Leonardo da Vinci, in other words. There's a beauty in everything. A man just has to open his eyes and look. Ivory black, vermilion, Prussian blue. Crowds can be the loneliest of places. As it happens, Lowry was a bit of both, though Mrs Lowry and Son likes to favour the Van Gogh half, the man who paints all the time but is rarely allowed to show his work. His mother never misses the opportunity to read out his early critical reviews. The painting by Mr Ellis Lowry coming from the mill is confusing and appears to have been painted by a child. It is an insult to the people of Lancashire. Mr. Denby is not impressed, Laurie. He decrees it an insult. At one stage, Lowry's mother almost succeeds in convincing him he's been wasting his time all his life. His obsessive canvases with his trademark stick figures walking past smoky factories, never talking to each other. Who wants to see them? I can't burn them, mother! Where has it got you, this hobby? Painting these squalid industrial scenes that nobody wants to buy. It's not a hobby, mother. But, of course, any suspense in Mrs Lowry and Son, will Lowry die forgotten? Will his paintings come to anything? Is dampened by the fact that we've all heard of him. Why else did we go to this film? In the north of England, Lowry is the only painter many people have actually heard of. I have to do it. I'm compelled to put down everything. I need to capture a way of life. The truth. Every window, every brick... Every stroke of colour is made up of me. The film stops a year or so before Lowry's career takes off, thus robbing me of the one question I wanted answered, the question at the heart of most biopics. How did he get from there to here? There are certainly two beautiful performances going on, but they seem to stay resolutely in the one place. Am I an artist? I'm a man who paints. Nothing more, nothing less. The old-fashioned whodunit comes and goes in and out of fashion. Here it's associated with the cosiest sort of TV, where Miss Marple, Hercule Poirot and the police force of Midsummer and Brokenwood investigate their formulaic murders and identify the culprit at the end. I am Detective Lieutenant Elliot, and this is Trooper Wagner. We just want to ask a few questions. We understand the night of his demise... The family have gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. In the States, they've mostly been replaced by serial killer thrillers like CSI, where the number of suspects is often reduced to just one, even as the number of victims expands to offer more clues. But that's not the story writer-director Rian Johnson wants to tell in Knives Out. How was it? The party? Pre-my-dad's death? 
That was great. What Johnson did to the film noir in Brick and to the sci-fi time travel thriller in Looper, he sets out to do to the Who Done It in Knives Out. Knives Out lays out all the elements and then pushes them sideways. I suspect foul play. And I have eliminated no suspects. <laughs> The traditional Agatha Christie whodunit had certain very specific rules. There was a victim, of course. There was the initial suspect, usually exonerated by the detective, assisted by his or her slightly slow friend who represented the audience. There were a dozen or so suspects, and at the end there was the who whodunit, generally the least likely suspect. The family is truly desperate. When people get desperate, the nerves come out. This is a twisted web, and we are not finished untangling it. And Knives Out offers all of the above with a switch, because the weakness of the trad whodunit, for modern audiences at any rate, is you have to wait so long for any explanations. These days no one has time for that, so this time the explanations start coming early and often. Harlan started out with a rusty Smith Corona and built himself into one of the best-selling mystery writers of all time. 30 languages, over 80 million copies sold. You guys fans? I mean, I don't do much fiction reading myself. Big but... fan. I'm a big fan. But first, who's who in the Who Done It? We open on the stately home of millionaire thriller writer Harlan Thromby, played by Christopher Plummer. He throws a big birthday party for himself, the whole family's invited, and at the height of the festivities, he's found with his throat cut. We're officers of the law. You're going to run me in? I don't feel like talking. I'm distraught. Hey, Benny, you want to ask this guy some questions? Hi, what is this? What's this arrangement? Mr. Drysdale. CSI KFC? The police are called, and along for the ride is an exotic private investigator, Benoit Blanc, dripping with old-fashioned southern charm. To add even more unlikely appeal, Benoit is played by English star Daniel Craig. Who is that guy? Uh, Mr. Blanc is a private investigator of great renown. I read a tweet about a New Yorker article about you. You're famous! The unusual suspects are equally unpredictably cast. The usually sinister Michael Shannon appears as the wimpy son. Former Miami Vice cop Don Johnson is the useless son-in-law, while Jamie Lee Curtis is his far better half. Are you baiting me, detective? Attempting to be thorough so we can figure out the manner of death. You mean if someone killed him? <laughs> you think one of us, one of his family, Walt killed, killed him? Tony Collette is there, and so is former Captain America Chris Evans, playing possibly his stupidest and most annoying character. And as you'd expect, everything everyone tells Benoit Blanc is usually a lie. You all love twisting the knife into one another. Up your ass. Oh, very nice. Matter of fact, oh eat shit. How's that? Eat shit. Eat shit. Eat shit. Smug smile. Definitely eat shit. Knives Out, entertaining as it is, still suffers from the weakness at the heart of the whodunit genre. The plots are generally so complicated and dependent on so many unlikely coincidences and conspiracies that even the most tenacious follower is likely to get lost sooner or later. Harlem was cleaning house. Everyone in the family has possible motives. 
Was Harlan planning on cutting off Johnny? Did he plan to fire Walter? Is Richard having an affair? If you've read enough Agatha Christie's, you'll know that literally anyone could have done it. I've seen cases where the innocent first suspect actually did do it, where the detective's sidekick did it, where the detective did it, and occasionally where the victims did it to themselves. So in the end, you're dependent on the entertainment value of the characters rather than the devilish intricacy of the plot. That's some heavy-duty conjecture. Funny, Ransom, you skipped the funeral, but you're early for the will reading. Up your ass. Very nice, oh, Ransom. Ransom. You gotta do this more often. In Knives Out, Rian Johnson clearly loved the genre so much he couldn't fail to do it justice. And he's a smart enough director to ensure there's plenty of fun for people who are less committed. But at the end, like just about all whodunits, there's a slight feeling of so what... Well, as the police cover the body in the library and lead the guilty party to the cells, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents... The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.